The FT. The first Ebola vaccine to be tested on humans, developed by GlaxoSmithKline and the U.S. National Institutes of Health, has shown promising results in early trials, paving the way for it to be tested on thousands of healthcare workers in West Africa in the new year. I'm Fiona Simon, and with me in the studio is Andrew Ward, our pharmaceuticals correspondent. Hi, Andrew. Could you tell us about the results of this trial? How many people were involved? It was a small trial. It was only 20 people, and there were 20 healthy people in the U.S. So there is a fragment of the Ebola virus that's contained in this vaccine, but it doesn't cause any harm to healthy people to who it's given. And so to that extent, it was positive in that 20 people took it in the U.S. with no serious adverse events. The main limitation is that it doesn't tell us yet for sure whether this vaccine is going to work in preventing Ebola in the field. It tells us that it appears to be safe. It also shows that there was an immune response. So when you took this vaccine, it provoked a response from the immune system. So that encourages us to think that it has the potential to work. But we won't know for sure until it begins to be tested in West Africa in the new year. It has worked in animals, of course, and that's why there is optimism about this particular vaccine. But these were the first human trials. But we can only be really confident about its efficacy in the new year when they start to do phase two and three trials in Ebola-affected countries. So has the next stage been authorised? And what happens next? There's further phase one safety trials to come through in the UK, Switzerland and Mali. The Mali one is particularly important because that's the only one that's going on at the moment in a West African population where we can check that it's safe for people with a particular genetic makeup of the population in West Africa. So provided that those three remaining phase one studies also come out with positive safety results, then we'll move on to phase two and three trials in Ebola-affected communities early in the new year. And they will be focused on healthcare workers, potentially as many as 20 or 30,000 of them. And so if it works, then immediately that will start to have a positive impact in addressing this crisis. Because if it works, you will immediately have a significant number of healthcare workers in the field who we hope are going to have some form of protection against the virus. What we still need to discover is how strong and durable that protection is going to be. Presumably there are significant logistical challenges to rolling out this kind of vaccination programme. Huge logistical challenges. The first one, even if it works, we have to discover whether one shot is enough or whether, as with many vaccines, you have to go back for a booster. And imagine what that involves in countries with poor health systems that clearly have been you know, further destabilised and crisis hit by this virus. So first of all, you would have to provide the first dose of the vaccine. Then you'd have to make sure that those people came back a number of weeks later to get the booster. That's going to be very difficult. So that's just one of the logistical challenges. Another one is the need for these vaccines to be transported in low temperatures in hot countries. So there's a what they call a cold supply chain that has to be built. Again, very difficult in some of the world's poorest countries with poor infrastructure and weak health systems. How many other such vaccines are there in development and is this the most promising, do you think? We also have a vaccine coming from Johnson & Johnson of the US. Uh, And just this week, Merck, another big US drug maker, has teamed up with a small US biotech company called New Link 
to develop a vaccine that it has under development. So we have three vaccines. GSK's is the most advanced, and then Johnson & Johnson and Merck coming behind. All of them, though, should be available, subject to successful trials sometime next year. But it will only become clear once these more advanced trials start which of them is most effective. Who's paying for this research? Is there a commercial imperative for the companies involved or is it purely humanitarian? So all three of these big pharma companies are stressing that this is primarily humanitarian. You know, they're not ruling out making money perhaps in future by selling stockpiles perhaps to Western countries that can afford them against the risk of bioterrorism or perhaps for tourists traveling to affected regions. But in terms of addressing the immediate crisis in West Africa, they're saying we don't expect these countries to pay and we're not planning to make a commercial profit. Who pays? That's still being negotiated. There is uh, support coming in from the European Union, from the World Health Organization, from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, from the Wellcome Trust in the UK. But this is something where the industry is... Andrew Whitty at GSK has put it that they're trying to do in five months what normally takes five years. So it's an incredibly fluid, fast-moving situation where companies that are usually rivals are cooperating to an unprecedented degree, working with NGOs, working with international organizations, and really improvising as they go along. GSK says that if they're going to get manufacturing up to industrial scale, by next spring, it's going to have to involve cooperation from regulators to allow them to do uh, things much more quickly than would usually be the case. And to do that, they're asking for an indemnity. They're saying, look, we would normally take much longer to establish the safety and efficacy of a vaccine. If we're going to rush this out to tackle this crisis, then we need some sort of indemnity against losses and liabilities if it turns out that there are side effects or that it's not effective. Do you think that vaccines are the best hope for a solution to the Ebola crisis? Definitely can be an important part of the armoury. I think most health experts still think that the most immediate priority has to be, you know, the basic hygiene, basic quarantine measures, basic health care in the field. That's still the number one priority. And, and I think that improvements in that area is one of the reasons why the trajectory of the virus has moderated a bit and appears not to be reaching the worst case scenarios that were being talked about over the summer. But to really bring this down to, uh, well, eventually to eradicate it completely, to get to zero cases, which is the objective, then you're going to need some kind of vaccine or, or treatment to bring this under total control. Thank you very much. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.